This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kyabram. You can visit us at www.lwkyabram.com. Hey, um, three weeks ago I started a message on giving. Everyone loves giving, do they not? Who loves to give? More blessed to give than receive, isn't that right, children? My eldest son got into a habit that whenever grandma and grandpa would turn up at the door from, you know, because we had moved away a little bit, as soon as he'd open the door, he'd spring the door open and he'd go, what'd you bring me? was the first thing he would say, not, hey, grandma, grandpa, so good to see you, I've missed you. He would fly that door, front door open and go, hey, what did you bring me? And I had to sit, I had to sit him down and say, you know, it's okay to be excited that grandma and grandpa bring good gifts, but please say, I love you first. Please say, oh, it's so good to see you. And then you can demand all you like. <laughs> so in giving, three weeks ago, and I've, I'm just going to have to, because it was three weeks ago, I just want to go over a little bit of what I said. Um, I, I actually said that there were some questions that we needed to answer in our life that will help us in our giving and our ability to be able to let go of some stuff. And the first question was this, is that we need to settle the question of ownership. When we understand that everything belongs to God, then it's easy for us to understand the fact that there is times when we actually need to let go of those very things that we're holding on to so tight in our, on our hand. And this message is still on YouTube, so you can um, go back and look at it. The second question we looked at was a question of stewardship. Now, I'm so glad that God has trusted me and trusted you so much that he's put the kingdom of heaven things in your hand. You know, I, I think about the way God established church and I think about the way God set up church and, you know, particularly I think about the, the ascension when Jesus was going back to heaven and there was that point where in the Bible it talks about the fact that the disciples were still struggling with doubt in their life. They were still struggling with their theology. They were still struggling with, with you know, well, what, what does this all mean and that sort of stuff and, and the Bible actually says, you can read it in... Um, in Matthew chapter 28, just before the Great Commission, where it says that all the disciples were gathered and, they, and some were still doubting, and yet Jesus didn't, he pushed past their doubt because he understood that as they continued in his presence and as they continue, uh, continued with God in the journey, and especially when the infilling of the Holy Spirit would come, that some of those doubt things would melt away. Some of those doubt things would make sense um, once the Holy Spirit had filled them and turned up on the scene. And, and so he entrusts us with his kingdom. What an awfully, oh, what awful, what a great privilege. What a wonderful privilege it is to know that God has entrusted you with his kingdom. And so we need to be faithful stewards with what he places in our hand. And then... We looked at the fact that the way we steward actually shows who we honour. The way we steward actually shows the way we honour God and honour each other. And so it's important that we have honour. And the third question we looked at, and we only briefly looked at this question, is the question of trust. Because when we understand that we can trust God, it makes it easier to give. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Very well-known scripture when it comes to trust. You can probably quote it off by heart. Some of you. It says this, Proverbs 3, verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. See, there's this moment in life 
where Solomon, when he's reading, writing, as he's writing that book of wisdom, he says, here's a little nugget of wisdom. Here's some wisdom that I'll throw out for you. Here's something that I'll, I'll just put it out there and you can do what you like with it. He says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. I like the finality of those words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not just parts of it. Not just those bits where we're willing to let go of. Not just those parts where it's like, well, you know what? I've seen breakthrough in the past and so therefore I know that God's faithful in that area so I can trust Him in that area. No, this is what the Word of God says. He says, trust Him with all your heart. Parents, any parents in the house? Your child turns 16, you need to trust the Lord with all your heart. Serious? You're laughing. (laughs) This is a serious matter. (laughs) That moment when your child comes to you and says, one of my friends has a 16th birthday party. Can I go? What do we do? Can I, can I let you in on a little bit of parenting wisdom? I've raised four wonderful little cherubs. I said to my mum once, I'm a little angel. She goes, yes, you are. There's two types of angels. See, when my first 16-year-old, my first one to turn 16, came to me and said, one of my friends has got a 16th birthday party. I want to go. This is what I said, Bevan, who's my eldest. I said, Bevan, I trust you. I trust you that you'll do the right thing. I trust you that you understand the boundaries. I trust you that I can believe that when you say that you're going to go to this party and you're not going to drink, you're not going to you know, do drugs and all that sort of stuff, I trust you in that, but please do not break my trust. Please do not break my trust. And you know what? He went off to that party and he came home totally sober. I actually said to him, I'm picking you up at 11 o'clock. And he goes, midnight? I said, all right, midnight. I'll pick you up at midnight. Why? Because I trust you. I trust you. And so there was, and, and that wasn't just the first conversation we had. I'd had multiple conversations with him over the years where it was like, you show me I can trust you and I will allow you to do more things. You show me that you're a person who can't be trusted then I will bring in the boundaries so tight that you'll feel like you're suffocated. And he said this to me, he goes, Dad, I understand that. That makes sense to me. And so what he did was, out of communication leading up to that first challenge, that first time, we'd set a boundary and we'd set a lifestyle that he was still able to be salt and light with his friends but, but not enter into the darkness in that situation. And so how does that come about? That comes about us as parents trusting God with our children. We've got to trust him. See, I can't go to God, God, I trust you in all areas, but I don't trust you when it comes to my children or I don't trust you when it comes to finances or I don't trust you when it comes to me extending grace and forgiveness to someone. No, we need to trust in the Lord with all our heart and not depend on our own understanding because our own understanding will lead us up the garden path. I was going to mix metaphor then. Anyone know what a mixed metaphor is? I was going to say, you're going to lead me up the garden path without a paddle. That's a mixed metaphor. Putting two metaphors together to make something totally irrelevant and silly. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, about this question of trust. I love that God lays down his principles for us. <laughs> he makes it easy for us. We've just got to trust him. Some of you just need to write this somewhere in your house. God is not a man that he should lie. God is not a man that he should lie. That way when he says something, guess what? 
I can hang my hat on it. When he says something, I can rely on it. When he says something, in actual fact, not only can I rely on it, it can actually become a foundation for my life in that area. In, um, in Psalms uh, 119, it talks about the word of God being a light for our feet. And so when he speaks into my life, guess what? That illuminates a path around me where it's safe to walk. And so what happens is as he says something to me like this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, seek the kingdom of heaven above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. See, when that becomes revelation to our heart, when it goes beyond just head knowledge and starts to strike our heart and our spirit, there's some illumination that happens. Where I understand, and this is what I was talking about before, Phil, as you seek the kingdom of God with all your heart, he's going to illuminate your feet and success will be found for you. Because, And it's not just for Phil, it's for everyone, that as we seek first the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God and his righteousness or live righteously, as the New Living Translation says, then what happens is there's an unfolding that starts to happen in our life. But when we don't do that, when we put our own will first, when we live an unholy life, then we have no right to come back to God and say, how dare you? How dare you? I've had people who are anything but saved come to me and challenge me how God is mean and nasty. And I challenged them with these words. I said, well, why should God help you when you reject the very things he puts in your life? Why should God give you breakthrough in your life when you're willing to live a horrible life and abuse people and those sorts of things? No, we need to understand the principle of God is this, that we can trust him, but we need to seek him first. There is a call that's going out across our nation, and that call is a call to holiness. That is a call that's coming back to the very foundation where God is our all in all. It has been coming, and I'm going to speak about it in just a moment, about the fact that we need to be careful what comes out of our mouth when it comes to the things of God. So it gets back to a question of trust. All right, number four, five, where were we up to? Last week at Rushworth, Pastor Lynette says she doesn't listen to the points I give, she just makes up her own point. So I'll let you make it up before I say it. Going through Hey, have you noticed I haven't mentioned Collingwood this year? I haven't. No, I haven't. I haven't. My wife said to me at the, st- at the end of last year, she said, next time you talk about Collingwood, there's a group that's going to get up and walk out. I said, that's it. I'm not going to do it anymore. So the whole year, whew, I felt really good. I felt like I'd been saved, delivered, set free. All right, generosity. Generosity. Shorten that one. <laughs> generosity. When it comes to giving... And when it comes to our willingness to give, I believe that a generous spirit actually opens up the doors to our destiny. I'm going to say that again because it's pretty good. If you're taking notes, I would scribble furiously. Generous spirit opens up the doors to our destiny, opens up the door to our future. When we're generous with the things of God, when we're generous in life, what happens is there's an opening of doors that will remain shut if we're not generous. Let's go to Genesis chapter 24 because I want to show this in the life of a beautiful young lady. How because of her generosity, doors were open to her 
And however many thousand years later, we still speak about this beautiful young lady. So Genesis chapter 24, verses 1 through to 4. It says, Abraham was now, very, uh, was now a very old man, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. One day Abraham said to his oldest servant, the man in charge of his household, take an oath by putting your hand under my thigh. Swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. Instead, go to my homeland, to my relatives, and find a wife there for my son Isaac. Now, young people, I don't want you to be horrified by this next bit that I'm going to say, because marriage was very different back in those days. What would happen is dad would actually choose the husband or the wife for their children. How exciting is that? We talk about trust. There's some trust. There's some trust. And unfortunately, marriages back in this era and even in the New Testament, marriage back then was a political alliance. And what would happen is son would be married to someone's daughter to strengthen political alliances rather than out of love. And so there would be those moments where in my life, what for my daughter, I would actually pick her husband for her. And guess how much say she would get? This much. I was going to come to youth one night and preach a whole message on this. Because I, I actually think it's scary when you think about it. I think it's scary when you think about that, that whole concept. And in actual fact, the marriage relationship was really only there to produce children and to carry heritage on and those sorts of things. And so you get this picture where Abraham says to his servant, a very cultural thing to do, go over there, go back home and find a wife for my son. Verse 12, let's jump down there. O Lord, the, the, o Lord God of my master, Abraham, he prayed. This is the servant praying. Please give me success today and show unfailing love for my master, Abraham. See, I am standing here beside this spring and the young women of the town are coming to draw water. This is my request. I will ask one of them, please give me a drink from your jug. If she says, yes, have a drink, and I will water your camels too, let her be the one you have selected as Abraham's wife, Isaac's wife. This is how I will know that you have shown unfailing love to my master. I mean, it gets worse, people. Honestly, when you think about it, it gets worse. Here's this servant going, let's just do a lottery. First one that comes out, I will ask this, and if she responds in this way, then guess what? She's the one. She's the one. And what we don't understand is that Abraham's servant had brought gold, clothes, and so whichever woman replied, whichever young girl replied to him would have said yes because she was going to be strengthening the political alliance of her family and Abraham's family. And Abraham's family at this point was probably one of the biggest families in the whole area. And so Isaac was a catch. He was someone that every dad would have gone, yes, go and get married. I don't care, just go and, just go and marry him because it'll be good for me and it'll be good for you, maybe is basically what would have happened. And so the servant says this, he says, okay, I'm going to put a test out. When the woman comes out and she draws water, I'm going to say this, hey, I'm thirsty, give me a drink. And she says, sure, I'll give you a drink. 
and I will water your camels, that's the sign. That's the sign that I'm looking for. Verse 15, before he'd finished praying, I love God's provision. Do you love God's provision? Here's Abraham's servant being sent on a really important mission. And before he's even finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebecca coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethel, who was the son of Abraham's brother Nahor and his wife Milcal. Verse 16, Rebecca was very beautiful and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. She went down to the spring, filled her jug and came up again. Running over to her, the servant says, please give me a little drink of water from your jug. Yes, my lord, she answered, have a drink. And quickly she lowered her jug from her shoulder and gave him a drink. When she'd given him a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've had enough to drink. So she quickly emptied her her jar into the watering trough and ran back to the well to draw water for all his camels. The servant watched her in silence, wondering whether or not the Lord had given him success in this mission. It's like, hello, I think you've got success. See, I, I think about it, you have little Rebecca. Now, I don't know how old Rebecca was, but tradition tells us she was in her teens. And so she's carrying a water jug and she's going there to get water for her family. And she dips it down. This bloke comes up to her, this servant comes up to her and says, hey, give me a drink. And her generous spirit, because remember we're talking about generosity opening the door to our future. Her generous spirit says these words, says, hey, not only will I give you water to drink, but I'm willing to water, I'm willing to serve you, I'm willing to go above and beyond, I'm willing to be generous, and I'll water your camels too. Now, come on, people, we know camels drink, do we not? I mean, that's why they have that big hump on their back. I don't know whether it's true or not, but I've always been told that they have this hump on their back because it's a water storage. So I've done some research, and I've given these figures before. So in verse 10, we're told that he took 10 camels with him. It wasn't just one camel. He took 10 camels with him. And I'm told, I've given these figures before, so you might have heard them before, but I've heard that a camel can drink 25 gallons of water in one sitting. That's a lot of gallons of water. Isn't it, old people? All the young people are going, what's a gallon? That means that Rebecca had to find about 250 gallons of water. No taps, no hoses. She was generous. She looked at the camels and goes, you know what, I'm not just going to water you, servant. I'm going to water these 10 thirsty camels as well. And with her jug, with her pitcher, she would walk down the steps to the spring and she would fill her water jug. She would walk back up the steps and she would water the wa- in, in the watering trough until the 10 camels had drank all they wanted, she said. Because of her generosity... Because of her willingness to serve, she became the mother of a nation. She got to marry Isaac. Because Rebecca was generous, she married Isaac and became the mother of Jacob, the father of the Israeli nation. A generous spirit, your generous spirit, may just open your door into your future. Can you imagine if she said, I'm tired. Can you imagine, what's the time? Oh, seven o'clock, got to get home to watch Home and Away imagine if she said something like this I I know that there's a prayer meeting on but I I don't want to go I'm too tired can you imagine if she said something like you know what I know the spirit of God is calling me into prayer 
calling him into holiness, calling him in to dig deeper, not to just stand on the edge of a river, but to dive into the river so there's a fragrance about my life that'll change the very destiny of the people I meet tomorrow. Can you imagine if she said, ah, you know what, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. The story would have been gone something like this, you know, where Abraham's servant said, well, I missed that, and he had to go and find someone else. He had to go and look for someone else. No, but because Rebecca had a generous spirit, because she was willing to serve, destiny opened. Destiny opened for her. A generous spirit may just open the destiny for you in your life. Now, I'm not saying this to weasel more money out of you because I don't really need your money. Honestly, I think it's a kingdom principle that we need to be generous, but I am fully confident that God will provide all our needs. I am fully confident of that. I have never had an issue with, you know, we, we raised four kids on working on part-time wages and still able to buy houses. And, and was it tough? No, it was tough at stages. Did we have to be good stewards? Yes, we had to be good stewards, but we never missed out. We never went without. You know, I remember sitting down and the first time we went to Vietnam, we had no money for me to go to Vietnam on a mission trip. But I said to my beautiful wife, I said, I think I need to go. And so we went and booked tickets with no money in the bank. And then someone came up and they said, here's some money. Gave us some money so that we were able to go and and that sort of stuff. And most of the missions trips I've done, people have stepped up to the plate without asking. They've come and they've gone, you know what? I want to bless you with this. I want to give you this. Because when we're generous, opens doors to our destiny. It's not about what you don't have. It's about what you're doing with what you have. So a generous spirit is more than just money. And I want to talk about generous in the area of grace and encouragement. Pastor Lynette preached a ripper of a word last night about how we need to stir each other on, about how we need to you know, be championing each other and cheering each other. It was a great message. So let's go to um, 2 Samuel chapter 6. I've had this verse stirring in my heart for a few weeks. Because we need to be generous with our grace and with our encouragement. I actually find this verse or this group of verses that I'm about to read very challenging because it talks about what happens when we look down on other people's expression of worship. What happens when we look down on other people's walk with God? Because if we're not careful, we can become holier than thou and we can look down on other people. We can say, well, why would they do that? Why would they, you know, maybe because they're human, maybe because they're a work in progress. So in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 16 through to 23, it says, But the ark of the Lord entered the city of David. Michal, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window when she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord. She was filled with contempt for him. Let's just pause there for a moment because you've got to understand what's happening. The ark of the covenant of the Lord which for these people represented God's presence, had been captured by the enemy. They lost God's presence. We don't understand what a big thing that is because we live in the New Testament where God has chosen to put his presence in our life and in our heart. But for these people, this is how serious it was for these people. There was no atonement for sin because the ark was gone. Because once a year the priest would have to go and sprinkle blood on the ark 
and they would have to do that for the atonement of sin for their nation. And with the Ark of the Covenant in the hands of the enemy, in the hands of the Philistines, there was no way atonement could be made. That's a serious problem. That's a serious problem. And so David goes back and he gets the Ark back and he's bringing it back to the city of David, bringing it back to Jerusalem. And I tell you what, he's whooping it up. He's dancing. He's dancing. In actual fact, he gets so carried away and he danced so much that the Bible says that he stripped down to his linen ephod, which for us would effectively be probably dancing in our underwear. There was this moment, and some of that was because every so many steps they would sacrifice a bull. And so there was blood everywhere. It was a messy affair. Sometimes getting into the presence of God and bringing the presence of God back to your life is a messy affair. Sometimes there's some stuff that has to be butchered and got rid of out of our life so that we can take that next step. They brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and set it in place beside the, uh, inside the special tent that David had prepared for it. And David sacrificed uh, burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he'd finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people in the name of the Lord, of the, the Lord of heaven's armies, and gave every Israelite man and woman in the crowd, a loaf of bread and a cake of dates and a cake of raisins. Then all the people returned to their home. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said in disgust, how disgusting the king of Israel today looked, shamefully exposing himself to the servant girls like a vulgar person might do. See the rebuke? Is his wife, David's wife, going, how dare you worship like that? How dare you be like that before the presence of God? How dare you sacrifice like that? How dare you lift up the name of God like that? How dare you? David retorted, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as leader of Israel and the people of the Lord. So I celebrated before the Lord. Yes, I am willing to look more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. So Michal, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. Challenged by this. As I look at it and I think, well, hey, maybe if I'm not generous with my applause, maybe if I'm not generous with my grace, maybe if I'm not generous with my encouragement, then there might be a barrenness come around my life. See, an open, an open heart to the things of God. Now, I'm talking about things of God. I, I don't think we should tolerate those things that aren't God. Not saying that. Not saying we should tolerate those things that have a form of godliness but aren't godly. Not saying that. What I'm saying is we need to guard our heart that we're not speaking against godly things. So here's David's wife going, you disgust me. Your worship disgusts me. Now, honestly, church, sometimes I hear the way people talk about other people's worship and I get challenged. So don't talk like that. Don't talk like that. I, I understand it might not be your thing. I understand it might not be the way you want to express yourself in worship, but for them it's a beautiful thing. I actually think there's a fragrance that rises out of that as well. I shared the other week how I went to the Youth Live rally. A couple of the songs, I didn't know what they were singing. I felt old. 
I used to go home and mum would say, I don't understand what you're singing. And I'm going, I don't understand what they're singing. They had words on the screen. They were talking about Jesus. They were singing about Jesus. There was good theology in those songs. You know, they were sweaty. They were sweaty songs. But you know what? My heart was glad. Honestly, my heart was glad to see thousands and thousands of young people worshipping Jesus. Maybe not in a style and with the songs that I would worship with. But you know what? Still worship. Still worship. I was looking at that last little bit of that verse that we read where David's wife remained childless and I thought, wow, God, you closed her womb. Did God close her womb or not? Maybe what happened was there was a disconnect in the relationship and so there was no ability to bear children. Now, there's some kids here, so you know what I'm saying, adults. You know what I'm saying or do I have to be, give me a wave if you know. So what happened was because of the distaste, yeah, you can explain it later. Just not now. Because of the distaste that happened and because of what had happened, I believe there was a disconnect in the relationship between the two and therefore there was no ability to be able to produce children in that relationship. I look at that and I go, God, I don't want that to be me. I don't want my relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to be so disconnected that I'm barren because there's a lack of relationship. I want to be generous with my grace. I want to be generous with my encouragement because I know when I'm generous with my grace and with my encouragement, it's part of my sacrificial giving in those moments. The musos to come back. got one more verse for you tonight, today, whatever time it may be. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Just wrapping up this whole thought about giving. Because, you know, I never want our giving to be locked down just to money because it's so much more than that. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. It says, You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And do not give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. <laughs> I don't know whether even God worries about the amount we give. He worries about our heart in the giving. God loves. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I read that and I like that. I want to be that person. I want to be that person. I want to be that person where God looks and goes, Hey, Pastor Trevor or Trevor, I, I, I love your heart in giving. I, I, I love the way that not only do you give, but you are wanting to give. Because I want to tell you, when we give, blessing opens. Can you stand up? There is a call that's going out in our nation to let go of things, to let go of some stuff in our life, to allow the Father to prune so that there's a strengthening of the fruit that remains. It's given a word the other Saturday night from someone here and basically the word is the summary of the word is this is that there was a vase that was only being filled three quarters three quarters of the way full and when God was questioned about that why that much the answer was this is that there's some stuff that's getting in the way there's some stuff that's getting in the way from the, allowing that vase to be completely filled to the overflow what we're going to do this morning is we're going to just open up the altar area Maybe there's some, you, you know that there's some stuff in your life that's been getting in the way, but you've been holding on to it. It might be a habit, it might be possessions, it might be a prideful thing in your life. I want to give you opportunity just to respond this morning you know, we sing this song we're about to sing. You might want to come out the front and just say, hey God, I just want to lay it at your feet. 
I want to take that step from the bank into the river. I want to go to that next phase in my life. You might say, well, do I have to come out the front to do that, Pastor Trevor? Well, it's just a step of faith. It's a choice we make where we say, hey, God, I'm in. Not half in, I'm in. So as we sing this song, if you want to respond, why don't you come out the front? Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Living Waters Church, Kyabram. Don't forget, you can find us at www.lwkyabram.com.